0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Religion Story podcast. On this week's edition of the podcast, we are going to be talking about world religions. While Christianity is the largest religion around the world, with 33% of the world's population being claimed as adherents of Christianity, that leaves an additional two-thirds of people who do not believe in Christianity and most likely believe in something else. So, during this podcast, we're going to talk about whether or not it's important to know about other religions, what they believe and how we as Christians can share our faith with them. Uh, so Daniel, I'll toss it over to you. Is it important that we know things about other religions?
1: Yeah, Michael, I think it is. Um, I did a class for my church about a year ago at this point on world, world religions. Um, and I'll say I, uh, I got kind of burned out on studying the topic after that, and so I've gone a while without studying it. And my Christianity, my faith, seems to be okay. But um, that said, I do think it is it's valuable, um, and there's certainly something to be gained in studying uh, the other faiths and religions of the world. Uh, a couple things, really, just one thing. Uh, I think this will probably be a different answer than what y'all. Might add to the conversation, so we'll, I'll start with this that in looking at other religions, I think we should primarily look at them in a in a sympathetic way, uh, though I think uh, we, we were already talking before this podcast that we are not pluralists um, Christianity is not a pluralist religion um, so we don't believe fully the, what's taught in these other religions, but I think if we lend a sympathetic uh, ear to their messages, that there is a lot to be gained. Um, now, that can be divided into two things. Uh, one, when people say this, they often bring up examples like, if you look to Buddhism um, or other Eastern religions, you'll see an emphasis on meditation, and that's some, that emphasis in those practices are something that we can incorporate into Christianity to help our own spiritual disciplines. And I think that's great. Um, A second thing, though, is saying, yeah, getting sort of practical advice from these other religions, that's certainly useful. But I would take it even further to say there are ideas um, and truths and wisdoms that these other religions might have to offer um, that we can hear from
2: and, and
1: learn from. Um, so that's one, and y'all may have some pushback for that, but before y'all uh, y'all tear that apart, let me hear from y'all. Stephen, um, what do you think? What, is there value in studying other religions, uh, and what would that be?
2: Right, so beyond looking at the benefits that we can reap from Looking at examples of other world religions, uh, you named a few, and I think that you can even look within Christian groups, uh, whether they're part of the church or not. Uh, There are uh, people going to uh, above and beyond the social norms that distinguish them. Uh, So you mentioned uh, Buddhist, uh, Hindu, or Hindi uh, religion that they meditate. uh, You might look at the uh, Islamic faith and see that they are extremely devout with uh, whether it's ritualistic uh, habits or if they are going into a devout prayer cycle, fasting, things like that. Um, One thing I would point out that um, I think, Uh, Gets a bad reputation for what they do is the modesty that is promoted within uh, those religions where they and they also have a much more rigid definition of their gender roles Um, obviously like I said it has a bad connotation that goes with it because they can take it sometimes way too far even past what we would consider extreme Uh, um, but and I mentioned other Christian faiths that we can look and see their practices taking to extremes, I think many people would associate Amish with their minimalistic lifestyle and um, how they distance themselves from uh, lavish living. Uh, That is something that I think is very commendable and you might say that the rest of the world is missing the big picture as far as how uh, you should be living your life as a Christian because if you want to take Dave Ramsey's word for it, versus Jesus Christ, and uh, Dave Ramsey says you should build wealth so that you can live generously, or you can follow Jesus Himself, who didn't have two nickels to rub together—not just because nickels didn't exist, but uh, whatever the currency at that time. Um, so those are the benefits I wanted to discuss, but there's more to be said about why we should know about these world religions and I think the answer is obvious because you want to Be knowledgeable on something so you can speak to it or possibly speak against it uh, or How can you relate to someone that you're trying to bring to Christ when you don't know what their worldviews are so I'm setting the table Uh, Michael, what do you think are the best benefits of being knowledgeable about a world religion.
0: Yeah. So Stephen, I I think you're exactly right. That part of the reason why we want to be knowledgeable is so that we can talk to these people. Uh, Imagine um, any friendship where you don't spend any time trying to get to know the person, uh, trying to engage in the things that they care about. That's not a good way to have a relationship with anyone. And so part of uh, bringing people to Christ is having genuine relationships with them, a relationship that even if they don't come to Christ, you still want to pursue. And so getting to know people includes getting to know their faith. Now, I would say here, that um, we should take the religious claims of other groups seriously. And part of that uh, part of taking them seriously is realizing that for most other faiths, not all of them but for most of them, they make exclusive claims as well. Um, Christianity is not the only religion that makes exclusive claims. And so when you have those on the outside who say, you know why can't all of the different religions get get along, Christianity is the only one that it thinks that it's the you know the only way truth and life, to quote Jesus um, well, actually other religions believe that too that, the, that there's an exclusive nature uh, that they are God's chosen people um, so or that God doesn't exist. Uh, so to the extent that we are taking them seriously, we meet them in their own terms. And uh, we are able to talk about our own faith and talk about their faith on the level playing field because uh, we're using the same vocabulary or we're able to address the, the realities of their faith. Now, of course, as I'm saying this, it's also helpful to remember, um, I'll give credit where credit is due, the, the, uh, the textbook that I used for my Living World Religions class was called Neighboring Faiths. and. Each chapter would would tell you about the different faiths, and then it would have a section at the end called if you meet a Jew or if you meet a Muslim uh, as as a Christian. And one of the first things it would usually say is something something like, now, if you meet someone uh, who is of this faith, they might actually not believe all of these things Uh, in the same way within the Christian faith. You think that you know about what different Christian groups believe, but when you talk to individuals, they might not know that. So um, it's important to not only know the historical faith or the predominant faith of groups, but also to get to know how your friend interprets a uh, a specific faith. Uh, Maybe they're not a practicing member of that faith, but they still hold certain parts of it uh, to be important. Um, Stephen, I, I want to pick apart something that you said earlier, though, um, thinking about uh, our, our Amish Christians. So the reason why they take vows of poverty and, and don't take on you know new technologies, things like that, is because they believe that's what Jesus said. Um, and so there's a difference between seeing what different Christian groups say about something because they believe Jesus put this forward and then comparing that to the wisdom that comes from other faiths. Um, I honor any Christian group that is trying to follow Jesus and what he did, whereas when I hear the wisdom from another religious group, it could be that they're garnering the wisdom that God implants on all men's souls. At the same time, uh, wisdom that is bereft of Jesus is incomplete, uh, in its very nature. So, um, I would, I would hesitate to go too far with trying to glean the wisdom from, from other faiths. Um, I don't, I, I hate to go too far with that, but, but I'll, I'll stick with it.
1: You're on uh, solid ground, Michael, much like last week's podcast where I can't really defend half the things that I say. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I mean, Paul says that, in 1 Corinthians that the wisdom of the world, which I think that would probably include the wisdom of these other religions, is foolishness. Um, that said, I think uh, what we're looking at with Paul there is certainly hyperbole. Um, to To look at any sort of secular wisdom or wisdom from other religions and call it all foolishness, I, I don't think most people would um would agree to that well uh, even paul himself quotes you know the poets
0: of the greeks in order to make a point so he sees some wisdom there
1: yeah yeah um so yeah michael you you uh, gave a little bit of feedback there Stephen, and uh, seeing it actually sound like you agreed with me more than i thought you would but uh do you feel like there it, there are truths to be learned that maybe they could be learned somewhere in Christianity but if they're there at all they're more obscure than they might be in studying than in studying um a different religion does that seem fair or do you disagree with that
2: i don't necessarily think that there are truths to be learned from other world religions that we haven't uh, have been revealed to us through uh god's word i think the things that I have mentioned are things that uh, these other groups or world religions have taken from Christianity and they just do them better than Christians do. And that nobody said that. Is it possible that uh, somebody can take the things that they think are important out of Christianity, what God has commanded us to do, they tweak it to the way they want it and then outperform a few of the aspects of it and I think that's exactly what's happening. Um, Michael, you had mentioned uh, that there are those that um, you may come in contact with people that just don't even believe in God and so I we also need to recognize that atheism is a religion that is out there and what could be I was going to throw this out there what can we gain from atheism uh, but I want to tie it back to what Daniel's asking about. They, they don't have anything new that God didn't reveal. Everything that all of our wisdom, this is I'm basically giving a summary of Ecclesiastes, where there's nothing new under the sun, that God has revealed these things to us, and the wisdom and morals and the logic that is used by the world was either distorted by satan or has been taken from god so it, that's really all there is to it yeah
0: so what what i kind of, i'm trying to explore in my mind you know what are the different attributes of of neighboring faiths that uh we would consider Worthy of our thought, maybe emulation, if we want to put it that way. So I'm thinking about Stephen. You brought up the uh, the devotion of the Islamic faith. You know, the uh, the very word means submission. Um, the modesty. Uh, perhaps we're thinking about the you know uh, the pious religions where they you know they put a lot of effort into following their faith. Um, I think that that you know certainly piousness. Uh, is something that Christians should think about. Um, but for, for all of those things, um, you know, we, we could kind of go down the line and we could see how um, any, any one of those different things that we think that we should follow after, like, oh, they do this really well over there. We should be cautious in that uh, perhaps by being so focused on modesty that we actually make modesty into a god, um, that we make it into a higher power than it actually should be. That that we give it, um, that we set it up on the throne. Or being pious, we put that up on the throne, which Christians can do too, um, rather than putting God on the throne. So uh, we we shouldn't take it too far as to say that you know because these people you know really care about modesty that you know we need to. Go go with it to that degree. I think that um, we would all agree that uh, th- some radicalism within some religions is prompted by um, their the the adherent's inability to separate out um, some radical vision of their faith, whether Christian or uh, Jewish or Islamic or whatever, from um, the core teachings of, of, of what their religion actually preaches. Um, I agree. I I, Go ahead.
2: I'm just going to say that that, that is how followings happen is if you feel passionately about something, you are going to follow that passion. And so, uh, if you feel passionate about Christ, you'll be a Christian, or if you feel specifically passionate about worship, you may join a charismatic uh, worshiping church. Um, and that, if you feel passionately about something that was ingrained in you, you're you're going to follow the religion of your family or your parents. And so that is something that we need. That's our listeners are going to take something away. Think about what. Uh, Your passions, how they were developed, and then maybe reconsider where you might be somewhat biased towards your in in your belief structure.
0: Yeah. So let me uh, put this this out here as well. Um, Recent, my uh, Dana, you mentioned you know teaching this as a class. Um, My my church congregation did this as a class maybe a year and a half ago. Um, Yeah, it's probably been about that long. And I remember as we were going through the study, each week we went through a separate uh, religious faith. And each week I was able to pull up on Google maps somewhere in Nashville where this group was worshiping. Um, I think that we have an idea in our minds that, um, that Judaism is far away, that Islam is far away, that uh, Hinduism is far away, you know, Go down the list of religions, and that each one of them is a is a significant faith, but in another land, somewhere somewhere across the globe. When in fact, while they're not huge in numbers, these uh, people who adhere to these religions are moving to our cities, to Austin, to Little Rock, to Nashville, and to all all the other cities, and uh, and mainly it is to urban metropolitan areas. But your chances of meeting someone of a neighboring faith are significantly higher than they were even 30 years ago. Um, How does that change the way that we live?
2: Well, for a lot of people, when, um, when you're a single person, odds are that you're going to end up dating somebody that is not the same faith as you. And so that just creeps into all aspects of life right there especially if that ends up in marriage where you're making a uh bi religious is that a word uh family uh so
0: a mic- mixed religion family
2: mixed religion family much sounds much better uh but yeah uh, how how do you define your family's religious beliefs at that point so that is just one aspect that just hits me, right off the top
1: of the head. Certainly influences your politics and how you view the role of government in um, in your life and in your faith. Uh, and that's uh, very much beyond the scope of this conversation. But
0: uh, oh, but but it's so interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what all three of us would rather talk about. Um, but yeah, certainly Yeah, how the presence of these other religions gives new meaning to the separation of church and state, where uh, obviously for the founding fathers, it's more of a discussion of um, of uh, different Christian denominations and of the church right. having control in the state, um, as it had in many European countries prior. Uh, then in the Early nineteen hundreds, uh, became that topic was more interesting along lines of like atheism. You have your Scopes Monkey trials and things like that. Um, but now it it actually is becoming more of a talking point as it deals with the the melting pot of religions that is in America.
0: Yeah. I think so. Using pluralism not in the religious sense but in the political sense. I think that. If we are to engage in political pluralism and still be and still hold our faith as valuable, uh, we should advocate for freedom of speech for all religious groups in the public square. Um, so but it makes it an an interesting idea, you know for for the conservatives who would say, you know I'm advocating for uh, prayer in public schools. Well, whose prayer? Uh, a Christian prayer um a a Jewish prayer, an Islamic prayer where where does it start? Where does it start? Where does it stop? Um, so we we are living in a world where while Christianity is still the dominant religion in the United States, um, it has a, it has diminishing power uh, when it comes to the public square. So I think we have to live in a respectful way of other faiths while not at the same time, uh, diminishing our witness, diminishing our our claim on the truth, and believing in what we what we profess to be true. Um, so we we can do both at the same time, if uh, if we are kind and respectful, but also while we are knowledgeable about how we differ from other groups.
1: Um, Michael, you you started the this discussion by talking about exclusivism and. Uh, that Christianity holds that it is exclusive uh, is an exclusive uh, knowledge of the divine, um, but that no other one religion- comes
0: to the Father except through Jesus.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Other religions also claim similar things. Uh, right. How do you handle religions that don't make exclusive claims? Um, religions that say, "Ah, oh, you can take me alongside your own your your mother faith.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one irresponsible uh, way of taking that. Um, okay. So there's some very intelligent people that say this, including Tim Keller. So Steve and I always have to, I have to put in the weekly Tim Keller plug. Uh, so they'll, they'll say something like, well, you know, if you ever say that, uh, that uh, no one has a claim on the truth, well, that's a truth claim. And they they will try to build up this argument that, um, to, you know, uh, being intolerant of intolerance is intolerant. You know, these ideas that there's circular claims if you don't allow for truth. Um, I think that we should we should accept the the groups that say that no one has a truth claim, accept them on their faith. Uh, excuse me, on their face um, that they actually believe. That there is no superior truth claims. Um, if, if, you, if you don't accept that they actually believe that, then you're just going to talk past them and you won't actually engage with their faith and with what they believe about spirituality um, and you'll never be able to have a legitimate uh, constructive conversation. So that said, um, they also need to realize that we believe something very different. And so we need to make a constructive case for why, uh, why our faith, the fa- faith of, faith in Jesus, is different, uh, why, it is, uh, why it is true, um, and what, what is unique about it that makes it, uh, it makes it true. Uh, that goes beyond my own personal feelings, or um, my own. Uh, you know, it, it's done something for my life because another religious faith can just as easily say, "I have strong feelings about this," and it's done something for my life. And I kind of expect that other religions have have been special to other people. Uh, so, I guess that's an, another reason why I believe that uh, Christian apologetics, uh, Christian. Um, christian philosophy is important because it builds this case for believing in in jesus as god uh, at the exclusion of all other um, faith claims did i answer the question
1: yes that certainly answered my question stephen do you have other thoughts on that you look like you might
2: about what exactly
1: um. You Well, I was really just asking because you were scowling. Um, like what Michael had just said was <laughs> ridiculous.
2: Well, the Tim Keller thing just threw me off. Um, <laughs> we have to mention him every week. Yeah, and we've talked about Christianity and government. Michael and I have, and I think, uh, uh, well, I have different views on that than both of you where uh, we'll talk about that another time. We can go back and listen to our own podcast yeah. Uh, But as far as living in the world and still maintaining Christian values, it makes it a whole lot easier when the accepted guidelines by society support your Christian values. And so I think that uh, Christians being involved in government should at least try and line up the social norms to back that. And if they don't, then you do have to accept the persecution that comes with it.
0: So, so Stephen, let me let me see. I think I agree with you that Christian, Christians who are in politics should stand up for their beliefs. Um, but I also believe that one of those beliefs is tolerance of people of different faiths. And what I mean by tolerance is that uh, we do not actively persecute them. Um, we, we do not oppress their faith. We, we, you know,
2: um, that is a very gray line of what you're talking about. Let's just take it either. You can take it the gay marriage route or the abortion route, which is the hot topics of our age. Um, But
0: neither of those have, have to do with any religion.
2: Um, you, I mean, well, if you believe that murder is not part of religion that was not outlined specifically in the Bible, then no, it wouldn't be, but it is. Um, or if you think sexual immorality is not part of religion, which also is outlined in the Bible, yes. Um, so it, it it is not personal. It is external to yourself. But that if you're it is not a persecution thing where they're not doing anything to you. So you're saying that you should allow people to live their life however they want, as long as it doesn't affect you.
0: Uh, I I think that um, Christian politicians, um, hmm, yeah. It, dead space on a podcast is, is not useful. And I actually do need to think through what I'm going to say. So I will pass it off to someone else.
1: We'll, we'll go ahead and say, go back to our earlier podcast on this Good topic point. and we'll give yeah, Stephen right. the, uh, the point for this, this round. Um, <laughs> um, we're nearing our uh, time that we need to be done. Uh, yeah. What, what should we end with a, what can we, something specific that we can learn from these, or, because Michael, I think you covered excellently in a few minutes, um, the best uh, evangelism strategy regarding uh, other world religions, being that we acknowledge how they view us, um, and that they're, understanding of their own faith may not even match what we've studied. And I think those, those are probably the best advice you can get on that. Uh,
0: I, I have a half serious, half joking question. Um, is it cultural appropriation when Christians uh, try to
2: celebrate Jewish holidays? The definition of it. Say again, Stephen. That's like the definition of it.
0: Okay. Just, just curious. I, I, I find it humorous that Christians really like, and I include myself in this group, we like talking about the Passover or Hanukkah or Yom Kippur uh, because, you know, the the Old Testament uh, is part of our faith. It's just that we believe that these holidays are superseded, I guess, um, by Jesus and, you know, the two holidays that are associated with him. Anyway, I, I find it interesting, the syncretism between Christian faith and Jewish faith on these issues. Have you been practicing these holidays? Uh, we once had a class about, like we had one, one class period on each of the different Jewish festivals, Jewish holidays. I
1: find them fascinating. Yeah, that's called having a fascinating class. Uh, yeah. Okay.
2: Well, I've, I've had a few satyrs. So, <laughs> Passover's fun.
1: See, what were you going to
2: say? Uh, I was just saying you probably probably tried to do a communion talk and related it to how the parallelism between the- Ooh, Parallelism. You know me too well. Yeah. A coworker today about uh, their observance of Jewish holidays, and and that's why I brought up um, people that are in a multi-religious. Uh, marriage where uh, or if your parents are of two different faiths one this person was had a christian father and a uh, jewish mother and they celebrated both uh loosely practicing the religious aspect but partook in the holidays and the festivals and things like that mm-hmm. uh, so it's more of a cultural thing but that i think is one of the cons of um, having a multi-religion uh, family
0: mm-hmm. Another, so, Stephen, you're making me think about uh, another issue that we don't have time to cover tonight, but it, it's interesting to think about. Um, if someone was to convert to Christianity from one of these other faiths, one of the questions they have to deal with is what part of my old faith um, it was cultural and is something that I can respectfully keep, whereas what which parts of it were um, religion that was against Uh, was against God, was against Jesus. And so, you know, if I'm a Jewish Christian, I'm Jewish by heritage, but Christian by faith, which parts of my Jewish heritage, Jewish culture, can I keep? Same for all of the other groups, you know, because there's a tight connection between uh, whatever culture you're a part of and your faith. And so um, that also might be a reason why someone might be hesitant to come over to Christianity, because not only not only are they abandoning their religion, they're abandoning their parents, their grandparents, their ancestors who have passed this faith down to them for uh, the same reason that um, part of our own faith as Christians has a connection to community. Um, That's not obviously we believe in Jesus above all and that he should trump our community, but it would be foolish of us to say that community doesn't matter.
2: That's a difficult question. You're right. And I'll give my quick two cents on it that that even applies to someone that switches from one church of Christ to another church of Christ, where you're used to doing things your way. And what things must you give up as far as tradition goes, not just from one religion to another? Uh to create unity with
0: another church. Not- I refuse to put my tiny communion cup in the rack in front of me. I always put it back in the tray and I pass, even though no one else in our congregation does that.
2: <laughs>
1: Someone's going to get some saliva. Um, that sounds gross. I'm going to give a, a final comment. Yep. And Stephen and Michael, if y'all want to uh, follow um, I, I like everything that we've said tonight. I think there's a lot of uh, good wisdom or particularly a lot of good questions to that need to continue to be explored. Yeah. Um with that said, my, my final comment, comment will be slightly in contradiction with some of the things that we've said, um, but I get to end with that. I mean, I guess y'all get the comment after me so y'all can disagree. Um, but I would say that um, it is important, Michael, you hinted at this earlier, that it's important to realize that other religions are not as similar as we think they are. Um, A lot of effort has been uh, given uh, anyone mildly interested in this topic in the last 50 years to emphasizing the similarities in religions. But I think for most people practicing these religions not in the US, that aren't uh, non-Christian religions, not in the U.S., that they make immediately clear, no, our religion, how we view everything is so different because of our faith. That said, I think that Christians um, are are behooved to to study these other faiths. Um, Even if you never come across a, a hindu or muslim or whatever else that you might use this for good um, religious dialogue um, just exposing yourself to these other religious ideas and theologies is a worthwhile exercise purely if only for an academic interest um, just to expand your mind and to to think about theology always a good exercise um, that's all for me though
2: I'll just say that uh, it's easy to be fooled when you come across someone who is wise from another religion and people that convert are often uh, exposed to someone who explains something to them and, and to give them another viewpoint. And they see that wisdom, but when you really get down to it, their wisdom was taken from somewhere else. And so we need to understand that, true wisdom, like Daniel said earlier, uh, the wisdom of the world is foolishness, uh, or the wisdom of God is foolishness to, to those who are of the world. And when we realize that true wisdom comes from God, we'll realize that the bits and pieces of religion that other people have tried to make their own, um, it's stolen, and it still only makes sense if it is put into a godly perspective.
0: Awesome. So um, I don't have any unique wisdom for us to end with. I I will end with uh, reminding our listeners of two resources. If you're interested in reading more about uh, Christian perspectives on world religions, uh, the first book that I mentioned earlier is called Neighboring Faiths, uh, a Christian introduction to world religions by Winfred Corden. That's C-O-R-D-U-A-N. And uh, one from our fellowship is uh, called Significant Others, Understanding Our Non-Christian Neighbors uh, by Monty Cox, who is a Harding professor. And uh, there's even a a DVD series that can be used in Bible classes um, to go along with that, which I, I would recommend. So with that, we will end our podcast. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next week.